Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to SEN Summer Brecky. Trent Copeland and Michael Karianis with you this morning. Uh, SEN 11.70am here in Sydney as we're filling in the chairs for Vossi and Brandy. They'll be back soon. Uh, we had Jimmy Smith back on yesterday. Joel and Fletch are back. The big bands are back together, uh, which means it will be out soon. Mm. MC will be booted. Uh, and those of you listening everywhere else across the SEN network and on the app, good morning to you. Stuff we've been discussing this morning, all the continued wash-up of Australia's loss at the Gabba at the hands of the West Indies, people calling some ex-players traitors, uh, our SEN Melbourne counterparts, Sam Edmund and Kane Corns, barracking for the West Indies. We've been asking you on 0457 736 736, were you in the West Indies camp barracking uh, for a victory at the Gabba? And do you sing the Kiwi National Anthem like Copes does? Yeah. That's sporting Great events. Great song. Keep going with that. Keep going. I'm, I'm not going to change. Uh, Super Bowl teams are locked in. The 49ers v. the Chiefs in Vegas in a couple of weeks' time. Really looking forward to that one. I'm going to be a nervous wreck for that week. Um, I've got to host the pregame show for seven, and that could be a train wreck as well. Or an NFL party. Yeah. That's, that's going to be interesting. Uh, the Dragons have finally landed an off-season signing. Uh, and later in the show, we're going to have former Aussie NFL player Colin Scotts on the show, as well as Dennis Carnahan in the studio. Now, we've been talking about, well, actually just before the break, we were talking about Eddie Jones and the fact that it was his, or it is his birthday. Mm. Um, we asked for your well wishes. We've got one here from the Western Sydney Eagle. Happy birthday, Eddie. I'm sure you'll have no problem putting the candles out, you old blowhard. <laughs> we my, don't need that grab we've got him in the studio that's my fake laugh <laughs> <laughs> oh there's different layers to it is there yeah, yeah that's my fake one must have yeah. been something brandy said or vossi or something that i was just going along with yeah okay okay and a spoon it? yes mm, we're not far away from those spoons returning um we've been talking about australia and the loss to the west indies at the gabba we've heard many different opinions but the one thing that is the talking point, really. Our bowling group all summer were outstanding. Yep. Every one of those guys uh, had great numbers, won games at different stages. But the batting order and the speculation around, is Steve Smith an opener? Mm. Who's replacing David Warner? Uh, is Cameron Green the right guy to bat at number four? All of those questions were asked. And after the loss, coach Andrew McDonald had this to say over all the chat about particularly Steve Smith and Cameron Green. 
If you look at the irony of it all, the, the question marks were on Steve Smith and Cameron Green, and they were our two best-performed batters today. So, um, But we, we see our batting unit as a collective, uh, and there's going to be people that fail within that at times. Uh, there's going to be p- people that succeed, and it's all hands on deck. But we feel as though with that order the way it is, they, they complement each other. And, um, yeah, we should be able to navigate through most situations. So that's Andrew McDonald talking uh, about Sp- Steve Smith and Cameron Green in particular. Yeah. When you hear that, is that a surprise to you that your Australian coach is talking about the collective or is that somewhat expected? No, I think, I think it nails it, right? You're not going to expect the unit to everyone to score runs every test. Mm. Right. And and that's been the issue in, in this one is that usually at times if, you know, the top orders fail, well then Marnus over the last couple of years has scored well, or Steve Smith scored well in the last couple of more recently it's been Travis Head or Mitch Marsh. Yeah. But we had multiple failures across the Australian summer um, this time. And, you know, as Andrew McDonald alluded to, the pressure was on Steve Smith. And, well, not the pressure. The question marks were on Steve Smith and yep. Cam Green. But it was Marnus who finished the summer with the worst out of all of them. And, you know, you're not going to drop Marnus for two tests heading into New Zealand, right? No. But he needs to perform. Any player, Any player in the Australian team cannot have a stretch of four or five no. games where they don't perform. Mm. Otherwise, their spot will come into question. But the guys who have the track record like Amanis Labuschagne yep. over long periods of time, the benefit A, the benefit of the doubt is given, but B, coaches, fellow players, and even no doubt Manus have things like this going on in their mind. I think the positive within that would be that the law of averages suggests that he's due for a couple of bumper test matches in series so we've got full trust and faith in the way that he goes about his preparation uh, the way he goes about his innings so um, he's been undone by you know certain plans at times so there's no doubt he'll be looking into that as he normally does he'll get busy he'll get back to work and um, we've got full confidence in his ability to rebound and he's, he's a quality player and you don't average 50 in test cricket but there's no doubt that you're going to go through some lulls uh, of form uh, if you want to call it that um, yeah but we, we expect him to bounce back there's no doubt about that so that's the, I guess, the way the environment works around the Australian cricket team. Belief that a bad stretch will rectify itself, mm. given that class is permanent, things like that. But the question is undoubtedly there. If you don't aim up and score runs, yeah. if you don't take wickets, there are so many others that can take those spots. Well, who are some of those ones, Copes? Who, who, if you look at, and then, you know, it's a two-pronged question, I guess, if there's a change in that middle order. Does Steve Smith go back down? And do they um, look for a, a, another opener? What's the... Well, I the think George makeup? Bailey George Bailey said pretty clearly when they announced that Cameron Green was going to come into the team and Smith was moving up, that they, have, they are and have always tried to prioritise picking Australia's best six batters. Yep. And they believe that they've done that. So in the event that the next best batter was an opening batter like a Cameron Bancroft or a Matt Renshaw... Uh, I believe that they would just pick the best six batters and make the lineup work. Yep. If so, it, I, but I also don't think they've made a short-term commitment to this group that they've got. Uh, and going to New Zealand isn't going to be easy. Mm. Then we're walking into seven, eight months with no test cricket yeah. into a home summer against India where the heat is going to be on. And we lost our last series against them. Uh, Maybe uh, even last two series against them at home, I think, which is pretty crazy to think. And how much first-class cricket will those guys actually play between now and India? 
So they'll oh, play. I think they'll actually get a chance next summer to play a bit. A, a bit of shield? Yeah. Okay. And uh, there's a few of the guys that are locked into playing county cricket, Nathan Lyon included. Um, so, look, I'm I'm not concerned, but the questions have to be asked, uh, asked about, you know, anyone that's out of form and particularly Steve Smith, there was a question. He got 91 not out and almost, ca- well, he did carry his bat, yeah. almost carried us over the line in that test match. I don't think you can question that he's still a good player. Mm. Uh, and he's capable of doing it at the top of the order. So tell us what you think, though. Let us know. What are your thoughts? What should Australia's test top six be uh, coming into that New Zealand series? one three hundred oh one eleven seventy 1170 is the open line, and 0457 736 736 is the Edgewater Homes test and I'm, line. And I'm just assuming that the bowling lineup remains intact for those two games. There's no chance of resting, considering the fact that there's a, a, a long break between tests. Yeah, no, I don't think so. And and they did a fantastic job getting through all five mm. this summer. Um, I think they're going to be – a few of them are going to be missing a few of the ODIs yep. in the interest of – and people are saying, oh, well, that's heaps of time to rest. Well, it's – talking to Josh Hazelwood yesterday, it's three games in five days. So, it's, yeah. you know, it's not a huge rest. Yeah. <laughs> but they will get a chance over the course of the next four weeks to not have huge workloads going into that series. And then there's a break – There'll be IPLs and, yep. and a World Cup and things like that. But um, largely, they're going to have the time to get the bodies right. We, we have had a text come in from Jeremy. Uh, the Aussies batting was putrid and has been ordinary for at least five years and not a whole lot knocking on the door to replace them. Lean times coming the Aussies way. They win based on the strength of the bowling. I actually don't disagree with the last yeah. part of that comment. Um the Aussies batting being ordinary for the last five years. Look, I, th- I think we are judged against the eras of, you know, the greats of the game. Yeah. And we had 10 to 15 guys outside the test team averaging 60 mm. in first-class cricket. We don't have that now. But we've still been winning a lot. Yeah. So the priority needs to be winning, but then you still need to be finding your right mix after that. Um, and... It wasn't that long ago that Travis Head was averaging 30. Mm. Usman Khawaja was averaging 30. They're both, after a bit of faith and being dropped and coming back in, now averaging well over 50 over the last four years. So, tough one, isn't it? Hasn't Usman been a a saving grace in his second coming? Seriously. His numbers, he's now scored over 5,000 test runs, almost averaging 50 in test cricket. Yeah. Like, when he started and played for a good chunk of time, those numbers were nowhere near that. Mm. And he's just got such freedom authenticity about himself as a person. We've obviously seen what he's been fighting for over the last little while. Have you noticed a d- his demeanor change? Like from when he first, when you first played? No. When you, he's sort oh, of... You know what? The, the demeanor change outwardly during a test match. Yes. Okay. But this is him as a person yeah. that I've known since he was a kid. Yeah. We played junior cricket uh, in New South Wales together. He was playing for Randwick Petersham. Uh, always played with a smile on his face, jovial character. Um, but I think there's a, sense of calmness and um, this is who I am. Mm. Um, and I'm actually... right? Will, he's really comfortable now. Yeah, and, and having lived the life that he's lived with, you know, coming to Australia, being ridiculed because of the colour of his skin, uh, the comments that are off the cuff within Australian society and wanting to be the cause of change and, and mm. the betterment of society through his foundation and numerous other things that he stands for. So good on him and great to see. Uh, we have a segment to get to here. Uh, it's everyone's favorite morning moment. 
It's MCs, players under pressure. We need a sting for it. Maybe it's your laugh. Maybe it's... <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got the Eels and the Storm today. Players under pressure. Do you want to start with the Eels? Yeah. The, the Eels, um, obviously off the back of a really disappointing year last year for lots of factors in terms of injuries and suspensions. And one of those players that were suspended was Dylan Brown. Um, for an off-field incident and, and missed a large chunk of the season and just didn't find his groove at, at the back end of, of the year. Like a lot of the Parramatta players, it was really good for the Kiwis um, against the Kangaroos. Um, and I, Dylan Brown, at his best, is such a free-flowing, natural run-in 5'8". And yeah. I, I love the freedom that Mitch Moses can give him because Mitch Moses is, is that organiser, that senior voice, the, the guy that directs him uh, around the field. And um, we lost Dylan's running game a bit last year. And without that, he's just not impactful. So, you know, defensively, he's still outstanding. He's one of the best defensive halves in the game. Um, but if he can find that running game again and clear his head and, and be that um, sort of player that can create opportunities for, for his outside backs, he adds a massive um, element to, to that. Parramatta attack and they need him because I don't think they have a lot of spark with the footy Parramatta they don't get much out of nine Mitch Moses is a really good player Clint Gutherson is a heart and soul you know you know he'll be there when opportunities are created yeah but they don't have that speed in that back line they don't have and this is why they always talk about this x factor and the like for for Parramatta to try and and solve some of their problems and they just don't have that but Dylan Brown at his best now is coming into the sweet spot in terms of his age and number of games. He's vastly experienced. Um, he can be the one to ignite Parramatta to to be in a, a finals contender again. What do you think, Eels fans? one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Do you agree with Michael Carianis? Dylan Brown, the key to success for the Eels. Uh, and I guess the player under pressure term can be the superstars needing mm. to just go from 90% to 98% of yeah. their capacity. And it can be the difference in a season, can't it? Definitely. Because, you know, there's no doubt he's amongst their best players, amongst their highest paid players. Yeah. Um, so for Parramatta to have any form of, of success, Dylan Brown needs to, to get back to his best. What about the Storm, mate? Uh, the player that comes to mind. So this is a different approach to what we're doing at, um, what I what I spoke about at Parramatta because in in Melbourne there's no doubt that their key players are Hughes, Munster, Grant, and hopefully a fit and firing Pappenhausen. Oh, fingers crossed! Fingers crossed! Right, like I'm not going to put Pappenhausen under the play under the most pressure because everyone just wants to see him get through yeah. a, a season fit, and if he's fit, you know he's going to have a huge impact. Melbourne, my criticism for Melbourne is around their forward pack. They just as a collective failed to make a dent in the opposition last year. So I've nominated Christian Welsh. Um, He's their senior player. He's their co-captain. He's a guy that um, at his best a couple of years ago developed this late offload um, that the likes of, you know, Harry Grant and and then back then Brandon Smith and those guys could feed off. Um, He missed – he played one game in 2022 off the back of a torn Achilles, and I just thought he looked slow last year. I, I just thought that um, player that, that played Origin um, a couple of years ago and, you know, would have played for the Kangaroos if it wasn't for COVID and, and lack of test matches, he would have played for Australia. 
mm. um, at the back end of those seasons a, a couple of years ago and didn't get that opportunity because Test football wasn't on. But yeah, I think he's just slowed up a bit and lost some of his impact. And without that um, late offload, um, I, I, you know, even you know defensively, he, he missed a few more tackles than he had last year uh, than, than he had before last year, and so I've just got some concerns around um, Christian's ability to get back up and become a force again. Yeah, interesting. Uh, and he's a guy that is revered amongst players, uh, loved by teammates, not yeah, just within the storm, yeah. but around the collective and, and often speaks out about the big issues in the game. Seems like a ripping bloke. No, he's a good guy, always articulate, always measured. Um, and, you know, at his best two or three years ago, he was one of the best props in the game. But um, they just need him to – they need someone to help Nelson out because Nelson is that dynamic forward to a comic. Kamitha has shown that he can do it. But hasn't yeah. had that, hasn't found that consistency. And then outside of that, their forwards drop off. That's why they brought Sean Blore to add some punch, some much needed punch to that forward pack. Well, Eli Katoa was actually pretty mm. good in patches last year as well. And yeah. um, he can be that guy that can yeah. bend back the line, has an offload um, tackle buster. So interesting times for both Dylan Brown and Christian Welsh. There's MC with his own segment, the players under pressure. <laughs> Very good as always. We'll use that sting, the laugh, every time you do that as well. Okay, but, great. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. We're here for Brighton's Lawyers. Unable to work due to injury or illness, contact Brighton's Lawyers. A high chance of showers today across Sydney, becoming less likely tonight. We're heading for a top of 29 degrees in the city and 30 in the west. Plenty more to come here on SEN Brecky with... Michael Karianis and Trent Copeland in just a moment. The latest sports bet prices and later this hour, former Aussie NFL player Colin Scotts. SEN Summer Brecky, Trent Copeland and Michael Karianis with you this morning and we are powered by Kubota. For over 40 years, we've been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together. A few quick texts in reaction to the chat about the Aussie batting lineup and Andrew McDonald's comments after the test match where the West Indies won on Australian soil for the first time since 1997 uh, that we brought to you straight out of the 7 a.m. news, Mick. Yeah, Anthony from Greystains. I think Marnus needs a spell, to be honest. His underperformance at three adds pressure on Green or Smith to perform at four. Marnus needs to rediscover his mojo because the team needs him firing. My top six for the next series would be Kawaja, Renshaw, Bancroft, Smith, Greenhead or Marsh. Um, Hunter Cynic says, Australia needs to develop Matt Short from white ball to red ball cricket, the same way David Warner was developed all those years ago. Agreed. Fair bit here. Um, I think I know from Craig, I know the bowlers' numbers have been amazing, but the question needs to be asked about the tactics used and the inability to bowl out of the tail recently. Yeah, that's a question that's been asked a little bit um, around lack of balls bowled that are going to hit the stumps. Mm. There was evidence in Adelaide, uh, the SCG against Pakistan, where it was under 5% balls hitting the stumps, which is actually not that uncommon for top order bowl, you know, bowling to the top order as well. Yep. Um, but it's the obvious question. I've got no doubt they're going to look at that. Yeah. And it's something that, you know, you get quite aggressive bowling at the tail, you get carried away and the tail then slog it 
yeah. as well. And if it goes wrong, it looks pretty bad. Anyway, an interesting question and plenty of opinion coming in this morning. Keep it coming. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy, and the Edgewater Homes text line 0457 736 736. Time now to talk to Nick Ashman from Sportsbet. Make it look easy with Sportsbet. Chances are you're about to lose. Good morning to you, Nick. How are you today? Yeah, I'm okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm okay, guys. Big sip of green tea went down the wrong way there, but uh, <laughs> things heating up in things heating up in the NFL, isn't it? Yes. Uh, were you watching the games live yesterday? I'm a 49ers fan, so I was at halftime oh. about to jump on a flight, thinking to myself, "Oh no, I'm really hoping the Wi-Fi doesn't work." <laughs> <laughs> well, coach, can you believe it? At one point in the game, and I had a look because I was tempted to have a flutter myself, but at one point during the game yesterday, when they were down to the down uh, about 10 points or whatever it was to Detroit. They touched $7.50 to win the Super Bowl. Sportsman wow. had a live market still going on the Super Bowl and they touched $7.50. And I was thinking, oh, do I have some of that? Of course I didn't. And they went on and won a, and produced an epic victory. But uh, they're $1.82 to win the Super Bowl in a couple of weeks' time on Monday, the 12th of Feb. Kansas City, of course, with Patrick Mahomes at the helm there at $2.03. Chiefs have won the last three games against the 49ers, Cope. So I don't know if that's sort of rattling the cage a bit for you, if you're, if you're a, a man of probability and saying, well, hang on, where'd you here? Yeah, I, I, always, I said off the top of the show today that I always trust in the biggest game, the best quarterback. And unfortunately, it is Pat Mahomes, <laughs> as much as I hate to mm, say it. But it was one of those moments where there was a few people texting me yesterday during that game. And on the back of the West Indies winning, mm. then England winning in India... Yannick Sinner coming yeah. back from two sets to love down, that it was, it's just one of those weekends or weeks in sport where upsets or comebacks were, were the way to go. So uh, no doubt people got some good odds. What, what do you got, yeah. MC? Yeah, what about the APL, Nick? What do you have for us there? Yeah. Well, speaking of upsets, I want to talk to you a little bit about the market and then talk historically about an upset. So you might remember, so first of all, Man City, I want to do a little season update. They're $1.67 favourites, despite the fact that they're trailing by five points to, uh, with a game in hand, that must be said, to Liverpool out on 48 points. Liverpool, $3.30. <clears throat> excuse me, and Arsenal, $8. The only other team given a chance, because then you have to Tottenham, the Hotspurs at $31. But here's something for you guys. Speaking of upsets, 23 of the last 25 EPL seasons have been won by the team that are leading on February the 1st, which this year will definitely be Liverpool. Now, I first heard this stat back in 2016 when Leicester, the Foxes, were leading on February 1. They were 5,001 to win the championship, if you like, uh, at the start of the season. On February 1, even though they were out in front, that was still $15, and I had a bit of it because I had a trip to Europe planned in the middle of that year, and I thought, well, I'll, I'll, I'll listen to, to that stat and take it. They held on for probably, I would say, one of the greatest upsets of all time, particularly given it's a season-long upset as opposed to just one game. Um, so I just wonder, with that Liverpool, for the, for the fans out there, uh, is the $3.30 worthy of a bet? I'm not sure what you guys think, but uh, with that stat, 23 of the last 25 teams that have led on February 1 in the EPL have gone on to win the championship. I think it's a pretty big stat, guys. Yeah, love your work, Nick. You're all over it. And I love bringing that nostalgia. When when you've had a big win, uh, you're going to Europe, you need that big win. But the EPL, always interesting this time of year. Jurgen Klopp, add that into Jurgen Klopp being his last season in charge. I've got no doubt Liverpool have got that little bit of extra motivation to kick it along the road as well to the victory. Mm. So, Nick, thanks very much. Hope you have a great day at Sportsbet. Yeah. 
You too, boys. Thanks for having me. Make it look easy with Sportsbet. Chances are you're about to lose. For free and confidential support, visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. We're asking this morning if you were cheering on the West Indies to win on Sunday, and if so, whether it's considered treacherous or if you're a traitor. It's off the back of our breakfast show counterparts down in Melbourne yesterday revealing they weren't barracking for an Aussie win. Here's Kane Corns and Sam Edmund. Were you barracking for the West Indies or were you barracking for the Aussies? 100% I was barracking for the West Indies. <laughs> what are we doing? How could you not? What are we doing then? It meant so much more to them than it did to us. That's the obvious uh, comment what to make. What are we doing? Well, in my line of work, you, you just it's natural to barrack for the story. I was i was like you. I'm, I'm not um, casting judgment here, Sammy. I was barracking for the, for the West Indies. Just quickly, thoughts? Nah. No. No, no, uh, no. <laughs> no. As the great Gus would say, you can't. I, I can't barrack against Australia. Yes, fair enough. You can have your say this morning. Are they traders down in Melbourne on SEN one three hundred oh one eleven seventy? And the team's locked in for the Super Bowl after yesterday. Kansas City Chiefs beating the Ravens seventeen ten, uh, and then the Forty ers getting the job done over the Detroit Lions. They will play in Vegas and stay with us because in just a moment we will be joined by a former Aussie. NFL player Colin Scotts. Time for a break. Welcome back to Breakfast with Trent Copeland and Michael Carianis and Copes. Plenty of text on the Edgewater Homes text line. Um, sending around the cricket still. Dan says... Bowler rotation needs to happen in five test series. Reason why we lost to India and the Ashes last year and this year. The bowlers are cooked by that stage. Case in point, they're no longer fast bowlers. They're medium fast bowlers at best nowadays. Oh, man. The the bowlers were outstanding this summer. And they they bowled the house down at the Gabba. So, and I mean, we did a piece looking particularly at the GPS data on Mitchell Stark the other day, having bowled 22, uh, 22 overs, did over 24 kilometers in the day. And his last over, he was bowling up towards, he bowled 152k an hour ball in the last over of the day mm. with a second new ball. So, I mean, I, I don't mind the premise of talking about the need to have everyone fresh. That's fair. Yeah. But saying that they were medium paces or didn't bowl well this summer, I, I think it was all batting the reason why some of these matches were lost this summer. Matt from Penrith, we touched on this yesterday a little bit. If Australia didn't declare the first innings and the first wicket punches uh, and the final wicket punches out 15 to 20 runs, which was the margin in the end, the Aussies might have won. Would we still be talking about the batting lineup? The, the decision to declare, I thought it was a good one. I thought it was the right one. Me too. All right. Yeah. Text here saying, move on, gents. Cricket's over. Uh, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough, but it's still That's Brent Reed's mate, Lionel. <laughs> We're getting uh, lots of reaction to press conferences, opinion on series generally. Mm. I, to be honest, I love that people are just talking Test cricket, yeah, and the storylines that we got over the last little while. But we also have been talking NFL off the back of the championship matches yesterday, the AFC and NFC championship matches. The Kansas City Chiefs too good for the Ravens, and the San Francisco Forty ers uh, getting the job done over the Detroit Lions. We have a special guest. We've got Colin Scotts, the first Australian to win a football scholarship in the USA, played in the NFL, 
Have a listen to this. Danny White. And the Cardinals clamp down. Colin Scotts, the first Australian in the NFL on his first NFL sack. Scott said he's going to try his famous kangaroo hop if he gets a sack today. <laughs> but he, I said, hey, you can't do that in the NFL. It's illegal. He said, I'll tone it down and call it the crocodile yawn. Now check this out. The crocodile young and Colin Scotts. <laughs> I love that stuff. Uh, Colin, good morning to you. How are you? Yeah, trend like morning to you, boys. It was a long time ago, but uh, yeah, great memories. Great memories, yeah. Great <laughs> memories indeed. Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> very good, very good. Hey, were you watching the games yesterday? And I guess, do you sit back as a former player now and are you a fan of the teams that you played for or do you actually watch different teams now and support different people? Yeah, good question. I'll always have a heart for the Cardinals. You know, that was my team that selected me and drafted me. And then, of course, the Houston Oilers don't exist anymore, but... I follow the Cardinals. Unfortunately, they're, they're uh, a very much a losing program, but I love them. But funny enough, I do go for the 49ers um, and just happy to see them in the grand final. In saying that, I was really sad for Detroit, you know, the way this season and the battlers and how they were, you know, 0-16 and 16 four years ago and 3-13 and 13 and the way they've come back, the whole program. It was, would have been a fairy tale, but yeah. No, good for the 49ers. It's going to be great, you know, a great clash in Kansas City. What can you say? Four out of the five last Super Bowls. And uh, we get Taylor Swift. It's all good. <laughs> Copes is a big 49ers fan. And he was touching on Brock Purdy and his rise. Um, you know, you probably can't have two more contrasting players in terms of where their careers are, in terms of dollars and cents in, in Pat Mahomes and, and Brock Purdy going head to head. How does that? How do you see that battle playing out? Yeah, look, Brody, what what a great story, you know, and a man of faith, and you know, you know, God bless him. He's just a very calm operator, and just he doesn't get ahead of himself. He's look, he's not the greatest runner of all quarterbacks, but you know, he's just proven everybody that uh, you know, he can be a great uh, long-term solution to a quarterback after a lot of a lot of quarterback trying at the 49ers. He has really stood up and. Yeah, he's been he's been one of the best quarterbacks without doubt. If you look at his stats the last even six weeks, he's, he's the best quarterback in the NFL. So, and Mahomes, of course, you know what can you say? Just unpredictable. Can run the ball. Can pass at all angles. Can he can just change a game in a second? And and he, you know he didn't have his greatest year this year. He really relied on the defense. So that's been a great savior for him. But noticing his you know the last couple of weeks, he's really getting his mojo back and. You can never doubt, you know, Mahomes. We're looking at one of the great quarterbacks of all time, you know, and and, and, and a great legacy for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, good point. Uh, when you look at the matchup, and, and obviously from your experience playing defensive end, uh, do you think the San Francisco front seven can actually overcome what Pat Mahomes is? Because we're looking at a guy that's going to go down in history alongside the likes of Tom Brady, if not he's already in that conversation. Do you think it's the front seven for the 49ers that can win or lose the game in the Super Bowl? Absolutely, it is the front seven. It is the best front seven in the NFL. But I've seen it all before, boys. And every time I think, you know, they're going to get to him, it doesn't matter. Even if they put pressure, he's so agile. He, I haven't seen anybody really contain him. He's just, you know, the 49ers have got a great, great defensive line. There's no debate there. But again, I just think, God, if you're a betting man, you just cannot, you know, especially with Andy Reid, the coach, and, you know, 
Kelsey, the best tight end in, in, in the business, and, and Mahomes and him have got Mahomes and Kelsey have got the best one-two relationship, and, and those two are just totally in tune to each other and unstoppable, unstoppable. I really believe Mahomes is just that type of freak quarterback. He's just put a whole new dimension into it where he's actually a running back. You know, he's not just the throwing machine. He's just the way he runs. He's so elusive that he's he's actually a running back threat. So it's uh, he's changed the whole. You know, you look at the Brady's and all that, and they're all stand back quarterbacks. They just stand there and they're accurate throwers. But Mahomes is an accurate thrower, but he's just so agile and he runs and gets that first down. You mentioned um, that relationship between Kelsey and, and Mahomes. It, it looked like they were out of sorts, you know, what, six weeks or so ago. What have you seen um, or how have they been able to turn it around? Yeah, no, they really went through it. And, you know, maybe it's a blessing, you know, because they were rolling sort of along. And then, yeah, a lot of, uh, a lot of, um, yeah, the, the franchise was in a real downturn, losing games in the last minute. Kelsey wasn't catching balls. And then, to be honest, the whole Taylor Swift thing blew up and, mm. You know, they, they were saying that Kelsey's not focused and coaching him were having issues and Mahomes was running off and mouthing off after that game they lost and blaming the refs and it was just ugly. And you know what, it was ugly and then, but they hit the low point and, and credit to the organisation and, and coach Andy Reid. He's, he's got everybody back. Kelsey seems to be happy again and, what, you know, they're, they're in tune again, you know, as, as great teams do. They lift when it's all about, you know, the, the, the business part of the year. And they've certainly, you know, they weren't too impressive against, you know, the, the Ravens. But, um, you know, they, 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 they got it done. That's, that's, that's what they're doing. And, and um, I, I, unfortunately, I think they're probably going to get it done against the 49ers. Yes, I love that you said unfortunately. Well done. Uh, what about <laughs> just generally when you, when you look at the NFL these days and you obviously played in the league yourself, are you... Looking at the league and thinking the changes, much more pass-heavy game these days, do you like where the NFL is at more broadly at this point? Yeah, I think it, like anything, guys, and it's faster too. You know, they've got to snap the ball in you know, less than 30 seconds. And so everything's drilled on everything. Everybody wants more entertainment. And, you know, what everyone loves passing, you know, but the same old thing. You've got to have, There's two things you can do is run or pass in the NFL. And you've got to... You can't, cannot be too predictable on the pass because the defences know it, they read it, and, and they, they yeah. have schemes to stop it. So you've just got to keep it balanced. But, yes, the NFL, even college now, you know, they're just all passing orientated. You know, it's a lot easier to get you know, yardage over the top. But, you know, you, you watch, mate. I mean, uh, you watch the 49ers. They've got a great running game. They'll, they'll, really, uh, they'll really get some yard. They've got it. Like anything, you've got to get the rug. you got to get the yard and then take the pressure off the quarterback so then it's a, you know if it's a third down it's short and two and three instead of eight because it's a you've got to keep the defense thinking you cannot be just thinking pass otherwise you get smashed and, and just finally mate is it your heart with the 49ers or your head with the chiefs who's going to take out the super bowl in a couple of weeks time uh, I, I'm a, I love the 49ers i can't and I'm, i'll be honest and i'm sick of kansas city i, I just <laughs> I just, I just am. I, I hate them. I hate them. But if I'm betting right now, I'd definitely say Kansas City. I just think that they've got their defense is unbelievable right now, as I said. And Kelsey and, and, and uh, you know, they're just they're just finding their form right now. So, yeah, definitely for probably 40. I'd love the 49ers to win. It's been a long time between drinks and, you know, sick of Kansas City. But if I'm betting, I'd go Kansas City. 
Oh, love your work. Defensive end in the NFL yourself, and I've loved hearing your opinions on the game today. Played for the Cardinals all over the 49ers, but it could be the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Colin, thanks so much for your time this morning. Pleasure, Trent, Mike. All the best, mate. Let's hope we get a good game. Yeah, let's hope. Let's hope we do. We're here for Brighton's Lawyers. Unable to work due to injury or illness, contact Brighton's Lawyers.